Welcome to For Your Info. English. You got it. All right, all right, all right, my amigos, and welcome to this, the very first episode of FYI. That's right, for your info, but really, those of you who are learning English, it's also for your English. So welcome to my new podcast. I'm really excited about it, and I'm so glad that you're here for this milestone. Esta hazaña, it's always nice. Firsts are always Amazing. So I hope you guys are ready because we're going to learn so much more than English on this podcast. We're going to learn about a wide range, right? Wide is amplia, a wide range of different interesting, or I would even go as far as saying fascinating topics. So get ready, guys, to expand your horizons while we learn English and delve into to delve into something is to go deeper, to delve into some of the most fascinating topics out there. And guys, don't forget, I want your suggestions. In fact, on social media, I've been getting so many amazing suggestions, so thank you so much. I plan on doing them all. If this show goes well, if you guys like it, I plan on doing it every single one of them, all right? So keep sending us your suggestions. I was like, wow, why didn't I think of that? So thank you so much. We'd love to do any suggestions, you know, anything that you may find interesting, because I'm sure other people will find it interesting, as well as the English that goes along with it. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the structure, about how this podcast works. All right, now this podcast is divided into two parts. Okay, so you have your first part of the podcast, which is like all the rest of my content on social media and everywhere else is totally and absolutely free. You're going to learn, we're going to learn about the history of these topics. We're going to learn about fun facts, statistics, all kinds of different things to learn about these topics while we learn about our English. But then there's a second part. Okay, now this second part of the show, this is exclusive. It's exclusive content, and it's exclusively for my Patreon subscribers. Now, those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's just a way of helping people who create content, artists, etc., and you help support them. Now, I'm not charging you for content. Let me make something really clear here. In fact, I've never charged you for anything except my books, well, because that costs money <laughs> to make. I wish I, I didn't have to charge you for those either. But as many of you know, I've been making content for over a decade. If you guys want to subscribe, uh, I want to have additional amazing content for our subscribers. Uh, if you'd like to support me, what I do, if you like my videos, my podcasts, you can be a monthly subscriber. There are all different kinds of levels. You can go to my Patreon. It's patreon.com. Patreon se escribe en español. Patreon.com slash, and slash, remember, is barra. And then my name, Alberto Alonso, and you can see what it's all about. But basically, being a subscriber, you're always going to get free content from me. Let's not, don't worry. <laughs> you're always going to get free content. But, uh, well, now you know, many of you know, I have a family. And, well, it's, uh, it takes a lot of time to make these videos and these audios. I love doing it. Well, a few people has, had suggested, and that's the way everything good happens in life, I believe. People saying, hey, you should do this. 
I listen to suggestions. I, I recommend, well, you also have to be careful where the suggestions are coming from. So don't listen to every suggestion. But I listened to this advice that many people gave me. And so I started a Patreon page. So take a look at it. It's not that I'm charging for content, but basically I'm going to keep producing tons of content, this podcast included, plus videos and so many other things. And uh, well, as a way of saying thank you to the people who are helping to support me, my Patreon members, my subscribers, the, the really the inner circle of my community, well, I want to give you guys additional content. So at the end of this, well, the second part of the show, there'll be a class and well, tons of other things that you're not going to want to miss. And guys, let me tell you something. If you can't afford it, let me know. I'll give you the content for free, right? I'm not trying to to do this to make money, but it does take a lot of my time. I love doing it, and uh, well, every every day that I'm making a video or an audio or something like that, I'm not teaching a class or something like that. So, um, members, Patreon subscribers, as a way of th saying thank you, you are going to get so many different things. Uh, special, in fact, the people on the highest tier, el nivel más alto, uh, every month I'm going to raffle off, sortear to raffle off a one-hour class with me. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso. This way you won't miss any content. You'll get uh, a second bonus part to this podcast and to many other materials that I've, I'll be sharing throughout these next coming months. All right, guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, today we're going to look at uh, a topic that uh, I love. It's near and dear to my heart. It's everywhere uh, from the Bible to Beowulf. That's right. That early literary piece, Beowulf, there's wine making. The Bible, if you remember, in the Bible, they talk of wine. So it's part of our milestones, parte de nuestros, nuestras hazañas, our celebrations from communions to carnival. Guys, join me as we discover the wonderful world of wine. Cheers. Or as we say in New York, salut. Why did I decide to choose wine? Well, I think being a Spaniard myself and having Italian blood, well, you know, wine is, you know, in my blood. Uh, you know, Spain, Italy. And in fact, speaking of, of wine as blood, many of you know wine has often been compared to blood, going back to that biblical sense as well, right? But wine is such a great thing. I'm not promoting alcohol here, guys. Don't get me wrong. No me malinterpret this. But wine has been a part of our celebrations. We give it as gifts, right? How many times have you gotten a bottle of wine from someone, right? Most importantly, and this is one of my favorite things about wine, is it's meant to be shared, right? Wine is something you're supposed to sit down and share maybe even a meal, right? A nice meal, a bottle of wine, and uh, it can be romantic, it can be a family dinner, but it's meant to be shared. So that's part of the beauty of wine. That's part of the attraction of wine, in my opinion. And also, you know, my roots are in Almeria. So uh, my family, we have um, farmland, right? Tierra. We have farmland and we have grapes over there. In fact, my uncle, my godfather, mi padrino, Paco, he makes his own 
homemade wine. So I've always been fascinated with wine. Wine's always been everywhere. And if you're Spanish, well, I think uh, you could probably say the same thing. Like it or not, it is everywhere. So speaking of roots, today we're going to try and trace the roots of wine, las raíces. So where did wine come from? Now, the, the, the easy answer would be Spain, right, or France or Italy, one of these wine, one of these very famous wine-producing countries, right? Spain uh, with their Ribera del Duero or France with their Merlot or Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> Pardon my French. <laughs> Pardon my French is una expresión que, que decimos cuando vamos a decir una palabrota. When we're going to say a bad word, we, um, we say pardon my French. So uh, pardon my French pronunciation, I should say, to be more specific. And then Italy, if you want a nice Chianti or something like that. So uh, no, it's not Spain. It's not France. It's not even Italy. Nope. Uh, we have to go back to 6,000 B.C. Now, 6,000 B.C. is, we say in English, you say A.C. Me encanta que en español es A.C.D.C. Chulísimo. In English, it's before Christ, right? And that's anything antes de Cristo, right? AC, before Christ. And then we say AD, which is Anno Domini. I believe it's Latin for in the year of our Lord, right? So we got to go way back, way, way back to 6000 BC. Hace en español. And where do you think it started? Where did almost everything start? One of the most uh, ancient civilizations there, China. China. Now, were they making what we know as wine today? No. But were they fermenting things and making alcoholic beverages? You bet. Of course they were. Yeah. They were fermenting honey and fruit, right? Fruit. No fruit. Fruit. So they were fermenting honey. And well, this started to spread like many good things. You know, people say, wait, this, this stuff tastes pretty good. And well, I'm feeling a little buzz. Tengo el puntillo. I'm feeling a little buzz. So it started to spread. It spread to the Middle East, uh, places like Georgia, uh, Iran as well. And then we fast forward to 3000 BC. So 3000 years uh, forward. So this is, think about how long wine's his, wine has been with us or something similar to wine, a predecessor of wine. It's been there through every major war, every battle. In fact, in the second part of the show, we're going to show you what wine has to do with the Declaration of Independence in the United States. We'll take a look at that after the break. But right now, we're going over to Egypt, 3000 BC. Be careful because a lot of my students say Egypt. It's not Egypt, it's Egypt. Now, in Egypt, in 3000 BC, they were the first pros, los primeros cracks. The first pros. Why? Well, they were the first ones to label the wine, right? To label as etiquetar. And they would put the label, they would put the year, very important, right? And the maker, so the owner, the person's name who made this wine. And they also started storing it. To store is almacenar. That's why storage is almacén, right? A storage space is un Almacen, you could say. They started to store wine. And, and back then, for the Egyptians, it was alchemy. They, I mean, they were taking one thing and making something new. And this is why it was a privilege in Egypt that was reserved for the pharaohs, los faraones. But as we said before, wine has always been associated with the gods. We said in the Bible, 
Uh, in fact, some people call it the nectar, el, el jugo, right? The nectar of the gods. Think of other gods too, Dionysus, right? Or Bacchus in Rome, as they called him, right? Dionysus, the god of wine and fertility. So it's been a part of our lore. It's been a part of our weddings. It's been a part of our celebrations, right? And then now we're going way ahead to 200 AD. So Christ was born 200 years ago. Enter the Romans, como no. <laughs> How are we going to talk about wine and not have the Romans involved? All right, so enter the Romans. Now, what was important about the Romans' contribution? Wooden barrels. They started putting it in barrels. Think about that. 6,000 years, 6,200 years has gone by. And nobody said, well, let's put it in a wooden barrel. And now you think it's, I mean, it's commonplace. It's, you, when you think of wine, you think of a wooden barrel. Right? And this made it easier to transport. Remember, each of these breakthroughs, avances, had uh, you know, an advantage. You know, it, it led to the spreading of wine and wine culture. Right? So the Romans, yeah, leave it to the Romans. And now, you know, we know we hear about oak roble, oak barrels. There are over 400 different oak species right? Especias. Especias? Yeah, especias. Available for wood for wine barrels. So that's, I mean, from not, you know, not using them at all to now it's like a science. It's an art as well. Now we go to 1000 AD in the wine timeline, and we go to a place called Chateau de Goulan. Again, please <laughs> forgive my French pronunciation. Obviously, this is in France, and this is a family-owned winery. Now, remember, a winery is where they make the wine, and a vineyard, que es literalmente la palabra viña, o, o no, parra, y eh, terreno, vineyard. No se dice vineyard, se dice vineyard. And that, uh, well, that is one of the, the first, you know, major wine producers, Chateau de Goulain. That was 1000 AD. The good news, they're still in business today. You guys are thinking, all right, well, cool. But we're missing a really important part here. What about the cork? El corcho? Well, that didn't come along until 1,600 AD. You know, it took thousands of years of drinking this stuff. I guess they drank too much to say, let's put something in there. This something that'll kind of give and, you know, can breathe a little bit, but not too much. And, well, the breakthrough in 1600 was cork. They started putting corks in their wine, and the bottles became stronger as well. Oh, and here's a little misconception, by the way. If you see someone in a restaurant sniffing the cork, they know nothing about wine. <laughs> because what does a cork smell like? You guessed it, cork. <laughs> so what do you have to do? No, you don't, you don't smell the cork. You have to look at the cork. It's a visual thing. You look at the cork, does it look okay? Is there wine everywhere or just on the tip, la puntita, where it needs to be? Are there holes in the cork? That's what you need to do. You need to look at it. 1830 now. We go to the year 1830. The modern wine bottle, the, the wine bottle we know today was invented. So the cork came before the modern bottle. So you're thinking, what did they use? Well, I'm sure they used other kinds of bottles, but they also used goat skin bags. Okay, bolsas de eh, piel de cabra, goat skin bags. Imagine going to buy some wine or going to a restaurant, an eatery, and saying, I'll have some wine, and they bring you a goat skin bag. Well, think about that in Spain, right? You guys have the, 
the goat skin bag. Now it makes sense. See? 1830, supposedly, until we got our modern, what we know as the wine bottle. And then the last breakthrough, which was incredible, it took so long to figure it out. They didn't know all these thousands of years had gone by and nobody knew what was happening. You know, what was the chemical process? Why was this fermenting? What caused the fermentation? Enter Louis Pasteur, right? The pasteurization process. This same guy, that famous Pasteur guy, we've all heard of him when we look at our milk bottles. Well, he discovered that yeast was that mystery ingredient that was causing this fermentation. Yeast is levadura, okay? Levadura. We've got to finish up, but when we come back, we're going to look at a lot of different things. We've got so much in part two of the podcast, the exclusive content for our subscribers. So if you guys aren't subscribers, now's a good time to go subscribe. It's definitely affordable uh, and, uh, and I would really appreciate it and you're going to get tons of content. So really quickly, before we say goodbye in this part of the podcast, uh, let's look at the different kinds of wine. So we've got white wine, obviously that's blanco. Red wine, right? Red wine is tinto. Yo antes le decía rojo. <laughs> Red wine. And then we have rosé or blush. Rosé or blush, right? Now, this is a good one because the word blush is sonrojarse, to turn red. So uh, sometimes if you drink too much blush wine, you'll blush. Uh, and then the last one, which is like dessert wine, which is port wine. Port wine. All right? So those are the four types. Varieties? Over 10,000 varieties of wine grapes exist. So that could be like a, a whole series on the different varieties of grapes. But guys, uh, there's a little tip of the iceberg, a little introduction uh, to wine and some vocabulary around it. Now, guys, we're going to go to this commercial break here. As I said, for those of you who are not uh, on Patreon, this is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for being here anyway. We love you. You're still going to learn no matter what. And Patreon subscribers, we'll, re we'll be right back with the second half where we're going to take a look at the world's most expensive bottle of wine. We're also going to take a look at how to order wine, right? Hey, you need to know how to order wine. And uh, also, what do the U.S. Declaration of Independence and wine have to do with each other. All right, so guys, we're going to take a look at all that and much more in the second part of FYI. Hello, 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 amigos, and welcome to part two of FYI. That's right, for your English, and today's episode is all about wine. That's right, wine, vino. No, I wasn't saying wine, lloriquear, right? That's another word that sounds exactly the same. So we have wine, vino, and wine, lloriquear, with an H, W-H-I-N-E. In fact, when some Someone starts whining, we always say, well, not always, but a little joke we sometimes say is, would you like some cheese with your wine? <laughs> Thank you, folks. Uh, I'm not a comedian, but I try. I do what I can. All right. Well, guys, this is for my Patreon subscribers. So first of all, thank you guys for your subscription, and I hope you enjoy 
the content uh, I'm about to give you uh, around wine. Part two of the wine episode. All right, so let's uh, let's we were looking at some of the history. We looked at a timeline, uh, which we looked at a lot of vocabulary as well. But uh, let's look at some more vocabulary. Now, I've had a lot of students who mix up a wine bottle with a bottle of wine. All right. Well, a wine bottle is empty, usually, right? A wine bottle is empty. A bottle of wine is what you order in a restaurant, right? In fact, speaking of ordering, right? You When you order, we don't say ask for. See, hombre, es pedir, like I ask for a loan, pido un préstamo. But in a restaurant, sería más co correcto usar order. So, eh, nos, tomamos no, eh, nos tomas nota, as you say in Spanish? Uh, we're ready to order, we would say in English. Estamos listos para que nos tomes nota, para, que, para pedir, literalmente. So, uh, yeah, so ordering a bottle of wine. So don't order a wine bottle, because a wine bottle is empty. <laughs> a bottle of wine is uh, what we would order, and we order it off a wine list. So uh, if you're at your table and you're, you have your menu... And you're not seeing the wine, you'll ask the waiter or waitress. Otra forma de decirlo, que es universal, es server. You'll ask your server. Uh, or, if you're lucky, have a, a sommelier. <laughs> and they'll bring you la carta de vino. We say the wine list. The wine list. All right, guys? And uh, another uh, confusing thing here, too. Because in Spanish, you say una copa de vino. But remember, in English, we say a glass of wine. We don't say a cup of wine. And do you know why we don't say a cup of wine? Well, because a glass is exactly what it sounds like. What is a glass made of? You guessed it, glass. Eso <laughs> es. So a cup is usually not made of glass. So we reserve cups for things made of plastic. In fact, you could say plastic cups, paper cups. So remember, we don't say a cup of wine. We say a glass of wine. Okay, the same thing with copa. I've heard a lot of people say, I'm going to have a couple cups with my friend, unas copitas. And I say, no, I'm going to have some drinks or some mixed drinks. Or if you're fancy, some cocktails. So we order bottles of wine. We order glasses of wine, right? And uh, of course, usually the waiter pours us some wine to pour es echar. So there's a good one to know. Could you pour me some more wine? ¿Me podrías echar más vino? Could you pour me some more wine? Right? And, uh, well, before you take your first sip, that's when we see all these wine experts, right? Everybody's a wine expert. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but I've never seen anyone, uh, you know, return the wine, right? Uh, in fact, one of the biggest mistakes, and, and I learned this myself, when you're tasting wine, which is interesting because they call it a wine tasting but really, it's an inaccurate name because sommeliers all over the world agree that smell is far more important than taste, than your taste buds, right? Las gustativas. Just think about it. Have you ever tried wine with a cold or any food with a cold, con un resfriado? It's horrible. So sommeliers say that's, uh, you know, that's uh, definitely one big, uh, I guess, uh, a way that that has been misnamed, right? Because, yeah, you're tasting the wine, but 
What's what, what you're really using is your sense of smell, and that's what they all agree on. So, uh, But I love that everyone is a connoisseur. When you're at a restaurant, well, you're paying for it. You want to do the whole swishing around in the glass, and, well, it's all good. I like that. But uh, a mistake that I see a lot of people make, and I learned this in wine country. I learned this at a vineyard in Rivera del Duero. You have to open your mouth. You have to breathe right? So it aerates, so it fills with air. Because try it. Next time you have a glass of wine, sip the wine and and don't open your mouth. Just swallow it. But the next time you have a sip, the second sip, put it in your mouth, open your mouth and inhale. Take a deep breath and you're going to see that that wine now comes alive. That air is a very, very important. So I've seen a lot of people, you know, sip it and close their mouth. I'm like, well, wait, how are you knowing how do you know what it tastes like but as i said everybody is a connoisseur even your cuñao your brother-in-law is an expert in wine right uh the only problem a warning i will warn you um i once i learned this you know this inhale thing i also realized that it's really easy to dribble right for the wine to dribble down your face and for you to spill wine all over yourself. So my recommendation is this is something I would practice at home before you go to a restaurant. Also, I would practice it with a black t-shirt on. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, some fun facts about wine. Uh, the intense fear or hatred of wine. Did you know this? There's a phobia. There's a phobia for everything. <laughs> intense fear or hatred, odio, of wine is called oenophobia. Oenophobia, and I guess it's people who can't stand wine. I have a feeling it's not the wine they have a problem with. I have a feeling it's the hangover, la resaca. Well, uh, the key ingredient, or they say the, the reason you get a hangover with wine is the sulfites, one of the primary reasons. Obviously, there's sugars and things like that that dehydrate you, te deshidratan. Right, but uh, sulfite, right, as we call it, is one of those reasons. So, guys, uh, you've opened your bottle, you've uh, you know pretended that you're a sommelier, a professional wine connoisseur, you've uh, inhaled, you haven't gotten any wine all over yourself yet, yet. Wait till you order the second bottle, and uh, but don't forget, you're leaving out a really important part. It's time for a toast. You have to make a toast. That's right. No, I didn't say hacer tostada. No, I, I didn't say make toast. I said to make a toast. To make toast, well, that's what I do for breakfast. I make toast with turkey or avocado. But when I have a glass of wine in my hand and I'm celebrating a communion, a wedding, um, well, then I lift my glass. I raise my glass. R-A-I-S-E. I raise my glass and I make a toast. So careful with that one, because if you put the word, if you put the article A in there, the indefinite article A, to make a toast, you're saying, cheers, guys, to FYI podcast, to my, my superstar students, you know? But if you're making toast, that's something you do in the morning. So be, be very, very careful with that stuff. That's part of our lesson. I also wanted to take a look at some fun facts, as I said, uh, about wine. The signing of the Declaration of Independence. Remember I told you at the first part of the show, I told you that the signing of the Declaration of Independence was toasted, 
¿Ves? Ahí está esa palabra. There's that word. Was toasted with glasses of Madeira wine. Now, toast, I, I imagine they drank the wine after, right? Right, forefathers? <laughs> I hope the American forefathers weren't drunk when they signed, firmaron, the Declaration of Independence. But yes, uh, that was toasted with glasses of Madeira. And as I said before, how many toasts have have there been, you know, through wars and, 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 and births and, and even deaths, sometimes in funerals, you know, at the repast. The repast is kind of like a little get-together after the funeral. People make a toast to that person's life. So, yeah, even the forefathers of the United States toasted with glasses of Madeira wine. So, what is the most expensive bottle of wine? Because wine can be pretty costly, right? Another way to say expensive is costly. It can be pretty steep. Ahí tienes otra forma de decirlo. Steep es como muy inclinado, pero también es muy caro. So, um, I mean, the most I've ever paid for a bottle of wine, I think, was like 50 bucks. And also remember, there, we're talking about different prices here. Whether you're buying wine in a liquor store, no, una tienda que vende alcohol, a liquor store, or whether you're buying it in a restaurant. As you know, if you order wine in a restaurant, there's a huge markup. Well, they have to make a profit. Tienen que ganar beneficios. So what is the most expensive bottle of wine on record? Well, this is a 73-year-old bottle of French Burgundy. Now, fijaos, he dicho 73-year-old, not 73 years old. ¿Y por qué? Why? Well, because it's an adjective. I didn't say the bottle is 73 years old. There's That one gets the S. But since I referred to that as the adjective and the bottle, right? So a 73-year-old bottle. I'm a 42-year-old man or boy, depending. <laughs> so a 73-year-old bottle of French Burgundy is older than my parents. Uh, Burgundy, this is a good word too. Burgundy, with the, the color of wine, right? Bermellon. But also, why do we call it Burgundy? Well, Burgundy is also a region in France. You say Borgogna. So there's a good one. Burgundy. Si te sabes la palabra Burgundy en inglés, sabes Borgoña, Bermellón. So it came from that area. Of course, Burgundy. When I think of wine, I think of Burgundy. Why not? And how much do you guys think it cost? Well, first, let me tell you, it's sold at an auction. Una subasta. It's sold at an auction. The bottle uh, was from 1945, right? Uh, the, the maker was Romani Conti. Romani Conti. I'm not familiar. I'm, I'm one of those restaurant wine connoisseurs. You know, I swish around the glass and, yeah, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So now, the estimated price was $32,000, okay, for a bottle of wine. How many glasses? Do the math. ¿Cuánto te cuesta una copa? $32,000. But that's not how much they paid for it. It's an auction. Es una subasta, right? So... Hmm, how much do you think it went for, right? Uh, it went for, ¿cuánto crees que eh, lo vendieron por? How much do you think it went for? Well, it went for 17 times the original price. So the original price or the estimated original price, $32,000. At the auction at Sotheby's, the famous British, you know, uh, auctioneers, Are you ready for this, guys? Sit down. Put down your, your glasses of wine because you're going to spill them right now. Las vas a tirar. You're going to spill them. 
We're talking over a half a million dollars for a bottle of wine. That is crazy. That I mean, it blows my mind when I think of that. Somebody paid for it. I think I think 10 euros is a lot for a bottle of wine. Call me cheap. Call me a cheapskate, tacaño. But uh, I'm convinced you can get a decent bottle for five or six euros if you know what you're looking for, especially in living in Spain like I do. We're very, very lucky to get good wine at a decent price, right? Um, so yeah, that is that is too expensive, man. 550 and here's the thing you don't even know if that's what's in there because there's a i don't know if you guys know about this there's something called wine fraud fraude we say fraud wine fraud now what is wine fraud well the restaurant industry probably goes through thousands of bottles of thousand dollar wine ves lo que he hecho ahí uno como adjetivo so thousands of bottles miles de botellas of thousand dollar wine de vino de, de mil dólares i'm saying that as a number expensive wine but if you're a collector my first question is are you even going to open it i mean i could put cat piss in there you know cat urine you don't know you're not going to open it so that's pretty crazy there, there's a whole thing so how does this wine fraud work well what i've heard is people who work at fancy restaurants swanky restaurants right De alta gama. Well, when they have an empty bottle of wine, either a server or a manager, somebody with access, they're like, whoa, this is a chateau, blah, blah, blah. This is worth, esto vale, this is worth, I think, 250 euros, $250, whatever. So you know what they do? They sell it online. They sell the empty bottle. So they don't sell a bottle of wine. They sell a wine bottle para repasar lo que vimos antes. An empty wine bottle. And somebody reef, somebody buys that. Somebody who wants to go through the time. They sell it for like 50 bucks or 100 bucks. I've seen it. 50 or 100 bucks. Empty bottle of wine, right? A wine bottle. You can say empty bottle of wine or a wine bottle, of course. And uh, so then someone who has a lot of free time and has a, has a shady business, what do they try and do? Well, they fill it. They, you know, cork it. And they try and sell it. Uh, and pass it off as, that's the phrasal verb, to pass something off as something is hacer que algo parezca otra cosa. So they try and pass it off as a fine wine when really it's cat urine. So be careful of wine fraud, right? Wine fraud, la pronunciación fraud. All right, guys, I also want to look at, because we only have another couple minutes left. I can't believe it. I hope you guys are enjoying the first podcast. I look forward to hearing your feedback, and, uh, of course, your suggestions for our, our topic. So let's look at some vocabulary and a couple expressions before we say goodbye. So some key vocabulary that we use. Well, I wrote down here in my script six words that reminded me of wine, right? Reminded me of when people describe wine or what you read on the label. And one of those words is fruity. Afrutado, fruity, right? Another one, acidic, right? You want to be able to describe the wine. Why not? Acidic. What about this one? We looked at the word oak, roble. What about oaky? Yeah, something that tastes, that has oak. It has notes of oak, 
right? I think you say tonos, no? It has hints or notes of oak. It's called oaky. We would describe that wine as oaky. Another one, tannic. Tannic. Sweet. Es dulce. A sweet wine, right? Albariño. That can be a more sweet wine. Uh, what's the German one? Uh, Riesling. A Riesling wine is very, very sweet and bubbly, right? There's another way to describe some wines, right? And we're not even talking about champagne or brut. That'll be another episode, right? And uh, a lot of times we talk about body, no? El cuerpo. We talk about body. They talk about legs. No sé si vosotros decís las patas, the legs of the wine. Somebody, the person who first started, the first sommelier, I think, was obsessed with... Uh, with the human body. <laughs> so the wine has body. It has, you know, and uh, legs, what I love about the legs, well, first the name, and secondly, legs, people, that's another misconception. A lot of people in the restaurant, when they're swirling it around, they look at the legs and they're like, wow, it's a good wine. The legs will not tell you if it's a good wine. They're just going to tell you the viscosity of the wine. They're going to tell you how thick the wine is, but they're not going to tell you. It's not going to tell you, wow, this is a good one. It's got a lot of body, right? It's got, it's got these nice long legs that drip down the glass. We call them legs. All right, so those are just some words that you can use to describe some wine next time you're doing a wine tasting. All right, uh, and a couple idioms. A couple idioms over here that I wanted to teach you before we say goodbye. I can't believe it, guys. The first podcast. I, I hope you guys liked it. I hope uh, you learned a lot, of course, and I'm excited to do more. So uh, give me your feedback, please. Uh, all right, so idioms. A couple idioms related to wine. Well, the first one, as I as I taught you before, is if somebody is whining, because acordaos, there's a homophone, Wine es vino and wine es lloriquear. O quejarse también, right? So when somebody starts complaining, you say, would you like some cheese with your wine? Como, es como, deja de quejarte. Stop complaining. We also talked before about barrels, right? We were talking about barrels of wine and how those didn't come in until, uh, when did barrels come in? Uh, 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 I think the Romans, I said, right? Uh, the wine bottle, barrels. Now I can't find where the barrel came into play. But the point is, we have a great expression that comes from this word, barrel, barril. And it's the bottom of the barrel. If something is the bottom of the barrel, es la parte del fondo lo que queda. Think about that. That's all the crap, right? All that stuff, all that sediment. Think about that when you've opened up a bottle of wine. Well, just imagine opening up a barrel of wine. Right, So if something is the bottom of the barrel, it's not the best stuff out there, right? The bottom of the barrel. Okay, and the last one, I told you uh, before, uh, we said vineyard is where they grow the grapes, right? A winery is where they make the wine. And a grape vine, right? We call it a vine is something that grows. Is what you say, parra or parra? Yeah, parra. Estás en la parra. You're on the grapevine. <laughs> no, no se dice esa expresión en inglés. But we do have another um, idiom, an idiomatic expression in English that I'm sure you'll recognize from Marvin Gaye. And he has a song called, Don't you know I heard it through the grapevine? Yeah, I'm just about to lose my mind. Honey, honey, boom, 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 boom. I heard it. 
through the grapevine, which literally means it's a synonym for a little bird told me. It's me, me lo contó un pajarito. So it's when you're giving somebody some information, but you don't want to reveal the source. La, la fuente. All right, guys. And the last one I'm going to give you here is more of a recommendation. Uh, well, I gave you that song, but I'll give you a second song as well uh, that has to do with wine. And I love this song. It's always, uh, it reminds me of, you know, just a romantic dinner. Uh, it's called Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Escenas de un restaurante italiano. It's by the artist, the New York artist, Billy Joel. And uh, if you're familiar with the song, it goes, A bottle of red, a bottle of white. So if you want to learn some more wine vocabulary, remember, uh, you can always do that. Those suggestions, that especially that expression, I heard it through the grapevine. Well, guys, that's the end of our show. So uh, if you enjoyed it, let me know. If you have any topics you guys want to hear about, awesome. As I said, if you're listening to this part of the show, it's because you're supporting me and you guys have subscribed to my Patreon. I really, really appreciate that. So anything I can do to improve, do uh, any, anything that maybe you might, may find interesting, let us know. Uh, we'd be more than happy to hear your suggestions. All right, guys. So thank you so much for joining us on this, our monumentous first episode of FYI. Cheers, guys. Thank <laughs> you.